Welcome back to the Backcourt Brews and Sports Podcast. In this episode, we are joined by a special guest, Tim Barnes, the owner of Blacktooth Brewing in Sheridan, Wyoming. We will be discussing everything that happened in the Super Bowl and talking about some of the best hot streaks in sports history. So grab your favorite beer and enjoy the BS. Thanks for listening. The Zebras have a tough job. I don't think they did a bad job. I don't think they did the best job, but I think they did an okay job. What do you think, Tim? Don't they affect every game Tom Brady plays? Why? Well, you, you know what? They they say that. Uh, yeah, we got a conspiracy I mean, theory. The, we all know the Patriots cheat, but is it is it the Patriots' way or is it Tom Brady's way? I don't know. There wasn't a tuck rule, but but there was definitely some calls along the way that were quite. Yeah, you know, you, you uh, the Fair the enough. Chiefs' defensive backs were saying in a in a Super Bowl, usually the refs swallow their whistles and kind of let them play. And they were getting some ticky-tack calls called on them, and we didn't really see that on the Bucks side. Now, I don't know if the Bucks were just playing clean um, or if, you know, the, the Chiefs were used to getting away with things that the refs weren't going to let them get away with in this game. But um, it definitely did lean one-sided on, on all those calls. But in the end, I don't think it really affected the game because – um, I think the Bucks were just the better team on that day. Well, I mean, this is professional football in the NFL. I mean, you're going to call people pretty much everything under the sun, you know, to get their game off. And if Brady dug deep and really affected him like that, then that's shame on Tyron Matthew. Why is he going to go out and tell everyone? You know, you don't hear other players go out every after every game and be like, this guy called me dumb or something stupid like that. Of course they're going to call you dumb. You're a dumb NFL player. They're going to do whatever they can to get under your skin. And that's probably exactly what Tom Brady did after he scored that touchdown and got right in Tyron Matthews' face. He probably said, hey, you're a dumb cornerback or safety, and you can't guard me. I mean, of course he's going to call him out. Why is Tyron Matthews so soft? Well, Tyron Matthews was also complaining about some sort of push-off call which was basically a Casper call. There was no push-off. Uh, yeah, Gronkowski I agree with that. One way. What was that? No, I'm sorry, George. I agree with what, what you're saying here. Oh, yeah. So uh, Gronkowski went one way and then turned left, is, uh, lost his defender, touchdown, and, and, and Tyron Matthews over there crying. What are you crying about? It is a game, and you got to play every down like it's 0-0, and uh, the Chiefs just forgot. And then, and that's what when 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 Tom Brady gets in your head, the game's already over. You know who he couldn't get into his head? He, he couldn't get into Eli Manning's head. And you didn't see Eli Manning talk. About <laughs> I think Drew got a, a text message in the middle of the game saying that uh, Tom Brady was lucky that Eli Manning wasn't playing for the Chiefs. I thought that was hilarious. All right, everybody, welcome One. back to the Backcourt Brews and Sports Podcast. My name is Jason Levy, and I'm here with George Estrada, also known as Coach Estrada PE. And Drew Jenkins. And George, you brought a special guest for us today. You want to introduce him? Oh, this is a great, classy man, a great friend of mine, a true businessman at every level, and a true beer aficionado. Welcome to the show, the owner of Black Tooth Brewery, Tim. Oh, sorry, sorry. Timmy the Big Slinger. Quite an introduction, George. Timmy, what's going on? Quite quite an introduction from uh, my good friend, George. I... I'm uh, happy to be on the podcast, uh, excited to be here, and I, I think for the record, we should certainly announce that I learned from my uh, head brewer this afternoon, Reese Smith, that I was actually the second guy he approached, so all of that preamble is probably not necessary since I'm the backup guy. 
George, you got to cover your bases. You got to know <laughs> that, man. You got to you got to like start paying some people off to not talk behind your back. Like, what are you doing? Well, this is a situation. I I wanted to start it off with a homebrew club and simple stuff and build up to Timmy. I didn't want to just go straight to the big guy himself, but we are very Why would you go for Tyron Lu when you could get Kobe Bryant on the show? Like, why are we, why are we like shooting so low? We got to get the top dogs on this show if we want to be something special. Well, just understand my point of view. Tim just was on a two-day trip to Casper, Wyoming, which is about two and a half hour drive with the, with the weather, three to three and a quarter, a brutal drive. And uh, I didn't want to overwhelm him. And uh, luckily we, we truly are great friends and, uh, and I, I asked him, and he said, "You know what? I haven't heard any of your podcasts yet. Let me do some research." I did, did you do, do any bit, research. And I feel too? like I'm flattered to be Tyron Lue right now. Oh man, <laughs> nah. You know, you're you, you're shooting yourself in the foot there. Uh, you're a lot better than that. I've been to your your brewery, and I highly enjoyed it. So we we appreciate well, having you on. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for uh, for having me. I I couldn't do anything. Uh, appropriately without giving George a bit of static. Uh, not that, only does he still appear on my payroll, <laughs> but I uh, oftentimes uh, it, it's the, the casual banter that I enjoy the most. Oh, man, we don't like to give George that much credit here. <laughs> so one thing that we, we always do while we're making this podcast is we drink some beer. So, uh, Tim, if you haven't popped open a beer, go ahead and do that now. But uh, we'll go ahead and talk about what we're drinking um, I'm over here in, in California doing one of the local breweries, uh, Garage Brewing, and one of their, my all-time favorite beers in the world, their Marshmallow Milk Stout. And uh, it's just – it's your camping beer, your campfire beer, late at night, your dessert beer when you're about to go to bed. It's, it's kind of like drinking a s'more. Uh, that's what I compare it to. It's got like a real uh, good creaminess with the marshmallow. Uh, they serve it both uh, carbonated or on nitro. Um, it's one of the best easy drinking uh, end of the night beers I, I think I have ever had. So I know, uh, George, you've had it. What do you think? Oh, it's a delicious, smooth, uh, silky drink. And, and what also goes well with that is that Garage Brewing, they have a nice little pizza shop and they do a custom pizza. And um, lovely place to be. But for me tonight, I am drinking the Hot Streak IPA from Black Tooth. Let me crack it open. Oh, this just sounds great. Oh, you get you get the hops. <sighs> Smells great. Mm. Mm. Nice, easy, refreshing, <laughs> perfect winter beer. Uh, Drew, what are you drinking tonight? Yeah, tonight I'm working on the Swami's IPA from Pizza Port Brewing in Carlsbad, California. It tastes juicy, fruity, hoppy, and slightly sweet from the light malt, balanced by just the right amount of bitterness. Well, that's what Google tells me anyway. Uh, in my <clears throat> uneducated opinion, it's a nice beer for someone that wants to feel a little something-something and not be scared away from really strong flavors. On top of that, it's a 6.8 ABV, so let's just say I'm feeling a thing or two right now. Oh, and our guest, Tim... How, what I do you am, got over uh, there? Currently, halfway into a glass of Lazy Hazy IPA, our uh, uh, summer seasonal, or it's kind of turned into our winter warmer. Um, 
it's got a, a nice aromatic blend of South African hops, uh, Southern Passion and African Queen highlight the, the aro- aromatic portfolio. Uh, it's nice, smooth, subtle, eight and a half percent alcohol. Ooh, and now you're talking Drew's language. And downstairs. That is right up my alley, my friend. I'm in my office in the brewery right now. And downstairs, they are brewing a brand new batch of Hot Streak IPA, George. So I can smell the uh, aromas of the wonderful bouquet of hops that come out of that beer as well. So I've got two, one one in my glass and one outside the door. That is amazing. I I am beyond jealous right now, Tim. I am in a Same. room in Hardin, <laughs> Montana. At a re- I'm very blessed to have a friend that let me stay at her place. But I am staying here. I do not have that warm scent of beautiful, awesome malts and grains and hops. Oh, that is the best smell I ever have. When I go ho- go home to Sheridan and I and I pull into Black Tooth, which is probably my second home. Is uh, I walk in there and, and and I can have my buddy Reese or Clay or Logan Bruin, the, the other brewers there, and that smell of oh boiling grains and oh my goodness, I mean, isn't that heaven, Tim, to be working there every Tomorrow, day? Tomorrow uh, we're brewing a batch of our spring seasonal for 2021, which is a hazy IPA called Quick Draw, and we actually modified the portfolio a bit. We're we're adding Idaho Seven. Um, hops as well as a, a hop called El Dorado that's in hot streak as well. But tomorrow, if you can make it home from Harden, George, tomorrow's the day to be here. Probably like three thirty ish in the afternoon. I think you'll be able to smell a lot of hops in the whirlpool. It would be a ideal time to to come home. I think us California boys just have to ask, how exactly cold is it up there right now? <laughs> in Sheridan it's about two below, but the overnight low tomorrow night's supposed to be minus twenty seven. I can't even imagine what that feels like. Wow, that's nuts. Well, you need more than a small Yeah, I'm, I'm too privileged. To Were you the one drinking the Belching Beaver in the <laughs> podcast I did listen to? Yeah. See, I did a little homework. Yeah, Belching Beaver. That's, I mean, that's one of my favorite breweries down here. And also Garage, uh, a little bit closer to, to home in Temecula. It's about three miles away. So, um, unfortunately, they closed their tasting room because of COVID. Um, I think a lot of the California breweries had to do that. But um, you can still get their beer anywhere in any of the stores locally. So, Anytime I'm at the store and I see any of their beers, I pick one up. Yeah, you know, it's a funny story. We did a peanut butter beer last year. Um, and the reason we did it is my wife was spending a boatload of money buying Belching Beaver's peanut butter stout. So rather than buying the stout and shipping it to his charity, we decided we Just do it, it yourself. Beer. You know, why not? Yep. Definitely. So um, obviously we, we like to start the show with our uh, our beers. And then after that, we like to talk about some of the bad takes we had from the previous weeks. Um, so I'll go ahead and start with this one. I think one of our worst takes last week, we talked a little bit about our prop bets. And one of the prop bets we talked about was no fans would be on the field because we thought the reduced attendance at the games, um, higher security probably, uh, we thought no fans would go on the field. Um, and we were definitely wrong. I think uh, in the third quarter, one of the, one of the guys, he's, he's trying to become Instagram famous or TikTok famous or something. Uh, he decided to run onto the field and like, kind of like a G string or something with his shorts pulled down. Uh, it was, it was just disgusting to watch, but quite entertaining actually, but it was a bad take. Yourself. It was definitely a bad take that we thought that no 
uh, hands would run on the field. And I think that guy they said he got bailed out of jail and got a check for like 375,000 because he did bet on the prop bet that a fan would run on the field. And I think he ended up with like 375,000 and then took a picture on Instagram with a Lamborghini. So I think he's winning. Yeah, but it was rigged, don't you see? So the fact that he goes on there, he spends about a thousand dollars bailing himself out of jail, but he wins three hundred grand for the prop bet alone. So who's the no, real he's loser? A winner, it's not sure. him. George is the real loser. It was it's a rigged bet. George, like <laughs> I was kind of looking at that, and you know, three hundred thousand a teacher salary—that that's like six, seven years of teaching. Like I could have just quit right now gone and done that and then like just had a lot more time to brew some beer at home i don't know like take a take a couple of years off yeah hey i could i could have finally had the investment money for a small brewery (laughs) no i already worked that one i'm good george would be driving the lambo to harden it back your brewery name could be your brewery name could be yeah is there any lamborghinis (laughs) in wyoming uh actually ironically i saw one at we had a two-day leadership meeting in uh, Casper on Monday night and Tuesday, and the the rental house across from the Airbnb we were at actually there was a, a white Lamborghini outside the garage, and there was a clearly a two or three stall garage. And I thought, if the Lamborghini's outside, what the hell's under the in the garage? That's where the so he's got his big <laughs> uh, tractor or something in there. I don't know. Probably his fishing boat. <laughs> <laughs> the fishing that's pretty awesome all right drew what what do you think uh, was your worst take from last week well i did mention uh predicting a high scoring chiefs w and although i guess the total outcome was 40 total points uh what was the line there it was like 54 53 or something like that so it didn't quite hit that and obviously the chiefs lost so that was pretty stupid of me to to throw in there but i did mention that the the chiefs offensive line versus the bucks defensive line was going to be a huge factor and i think it was Mahomes did everything he can. He put a couple good balls on people, but one like hit Tyree Kill right in the face, and he didn't catch. So, I mean, you can do all the running around you want on a turf toe foot, but um, if that line isn't protecting you, then do you you're think that was mostly SOL. because Eric Fisher was out? It was Eric Fisher, yeah, and then uh, their their other guy Mitchell something Mitchell Robinson. I don't know that that's a basketball player for the Knicks, but it was one of their other uh, <laughs> offensive line that. Uh, <laughs> That was out. They really didn't help, and I think he was actually better than Eric Fisher, former of top three NFL draft pick. So it was the offensive line, man. I, I yeah, stand I by that. All right, George, what about you? What's your worst take from the week? I'm going to be honest. I don't remember what we talked about last week. I know that the game was going to be terrible because I wanted both teams to lose. I didn't get my I didn't get my wish. You know, now we got Gronkowski and Tom Brady all being excited on boats, partying without me. I'm I'm not, I'm not jealous, but I wish I was part of the team in some sort of aspect. Maybe like the assistant water boy to the water boy. Uh, you would have done know. great. I already it, know it what Drew's. I mean, uh, not Drew. Uh, uh, George's worst take was he said that the game was going to be boring. Like it's the Super Bowl. I mean, come on, man. It's it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who's uh, playing. It doesn't matter what's going on. I if don't know. Beer, the game is awesome. I think as soon as that second half started, when we're all like, okay, you know, Mahomes didn't do anything in the first half. It's time to really show up. And when he didn't, it was like, this game is kind of boring. So as crazy as it sounds, I don't know. George might have been onto something there. Yeah, I still don't remember that line, but I'm pretty sure I said it because I knew it was going to be boring. You definitely said it, George. (laughs) You 100% said right out of the gate that this game was going to be super boring. And we're just like, shame on you for just 
trying to ruin our experience before it even started. So, so let's go ahead and let's try to break down a little bit about the Super Bowl. I know Tim has some very strong opinions. He told me yesterday, and and what are your opinions about well, the Super Bowl? Well, first of all, Tim? can I weigh in on the uh, yeah? Go ahead. I've, I've listed my daughter's name on four Super Bowl squares on the brewery Super Bowl board, and she won both the third and fourth quarters. So instead of me getting $250, I have to pay it out to my child. So, I mean, maybe I wouldn't have won if I'd have written Tim Barnes on there that had taken the money from me. But lovely Hannah Barnes, 12 years old, won $250 in the Super Bowl board. We're learning a little bit about cost of doing business because she owes me the 20 bucks it cost. Did she real? Did she realize that she, that she won, or did you have to tell her? Oh, no. We took a picture of the board, and it was the highlight of the entire evening uh, with my folks. We were at their house watching the game, and she learned a little bit about being a degenerate gambler and cheering for cheering for an <laughs> interception in the end zone with less than a minute to play. I mean, we learned a lot. Never it's, too early. Well, that's really, really that's pretty time. impressive that she understood what was going on, because I'm not even kidding. When I got home Sunday night, I had a friend call me and ask me how squares worked. And it was already like two and a half hours after the game was over. And he didn't realize if he won or not, he was trying to ask me. So the fact that she's 12 years old and understands it, <laughs> I, uh, I give props to her. Well, my mother, who's Lots much of- older than 12, she's, she's pushing 70, always loves the Super Bowl board. And she says, hey, you have to do the board for us. There's only five of us in there. So we're putting our name on 20 squares a piece, right? And there's a, literally a gross amount of like $16 in the pool. <laughs> But she gives me a set of dice. I'm like, what do you want me to do with the dice, lady? And she says, well, you have to pick the numbers. I go, I need some cards. I can't do it with a set of dice. Well, how, am I going to roll four 35 times? We got to get another digit. Yeah. I... So even <laughs> even at 70, some some ladies don't figure it out. That's awesome. So the the game, uh, for me, I think it, it came down to the fact that the Bucks defense uh, just dominated. Uh, my, honestly, I thought he was the Super Bowl MVP and Drew might disagree and George might disagree, Tim might disagree, but I think Devin White from the, uh, Buccaneers was definitely the, uh, Super Bowl MVP. Every single time the ball left Patrick Mahomes hands, Devin White was right near the football and he ended up getting that, that interception in late in the game in the end zone to kind of seal it. But he was just everywhere on the field, and I think uh, he stepped up. Uh, Levante David covering Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey still had 133 yards, I think, receiving. Uh, But Devin White – not Devin White. uh, Levante David was covering him, shutting him down. And then, like uh, Drew said, the defensive line just overwhelmed the offensive line from the Chiefs. So uh, what were you guys' thoughts? Did you guys – Yeah, that – My thought. Oh, we all three have a take on this one. But uh, I guess I'll just I'll just roll with it here. Um, I said a couple of weeks ago that those Bucks linebackers are they're not talked about at all. Levante David and Devin White, um, they really are difference makers, and you don't see that a lot from line a linebacker core. But uh, the the Bucks are definitely an outlier in that regard. I'm gonna tell you right now the difference, <clears throat> the T12 method. Uh, all the players that scored points for the Buccaneers were new players added this year. Why did they go to Tampa Bay? You already know. Tom Brady, Gronkowski, all those players wanted to be like him. They wanted to play up to his level. I said it last <laughs> week. They want to play up to, to Tom Brady, and they did. 
And so all those new players scored all the points for the Buccaneers. And that's and that was it. That was the difference maker. You bring in new blood into an organization that can be, you know, uh, you know, five hundred. You're gonna have a chance to compete next level stuff. Tim, what do you want? What do you want to uh, say? So I think what George was referring to is that I'm a lifelong Packers fan, and I my dad grew up about thirty miles from Green Bay. I was given no choice. He said, "Look, you're gonna cheer for the Packers, or you need to find work. Go get a paper out, do something. I don't care if you're six. Bring something to the house." So. Uh, I was given no choice, but I, I watched the Buccaneers in, in what was a ridiculous game, uh, and and their their linebacking core is exceptional. Uh, and and I think I think uh, Devin White probably was the MVP of the playoffs, not just the Super Bowl, but he carried their team defensively. I I got to argue with a bit, George. I think uh, Tom Brady's a hell of a player and certainly deserving of a great deal of accolades, but it. They the, the Chiefs weren't able to move the ball and, and put themselves in the position to score. The the Bucks defense was dominant. From the very there was point. a lot of talk about the the referees. How yeah. did, did you guys think that played a factor in the game at all? I think in the first half they had a couple of mishaps, but I, in the overall scheme of the game, I don't think they really affected it. I mean, the second half was a pretty clean game. I don't know if you guys can think of a a blown call that they really had. I know in the first quarter, or I mean in the first half. That Tyron Matthew, what they call a PI in the end zone, was kind of ridiculous or some kind of holding call. But in the second half, I mean, I, I don't think it was really anything egregious. All right. Anything else you guys want to add about the game? Uh, I, I thought it was interesting, uh, Tom Brady and, and Tyron Matthew getting into it a little bit. And uh, Tyron Matthew uh, tweeting after the game that Tom Brady called him something that he wasn't going to repeat. Uh, and then all of a sudden it got deleted after Tom Brady sent him a text message. So do you think there was really something there? Or do you think Tyron Matthew was trying to stir the pot? I didn't know so what that Tim, meant. He, <laughs> oh, yeah. we So, Tim, one funny thing about Drew is that he's actually not a long-term, super experienced historian of the sports. What year did you say you started watching sports, Drew? Well, I don't – well, first of all, I – take great offense to that george i mean i feel like in the short time that i have been in in the sports i've learned a lot but no 2010 was basketball i talked about that a few podcasts ago and i mean i've been watching all sorts where i'm a young man what what do you want me to say i've been watching sports for a long time here i gotta talk smack when i can drew so tim <laughs> do you remember the eli manning super bowl versus tom brady which one there were two the undefeated season for the patriots I do. I mean, did you see him talking smack to Tom Brady? I, I don't think did Eli did. Manning. Did Eli Manning talk I, to anybody? That's... <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't talking to cheerleaders. He wasn't talking to refs. He wasn't talking to his mom. He's calling. He, did, he looked, the booth. He looked like good. that nerdy yeah, guy I, in the back of the class that just kind of kept to himself, got straight A's, and just you know did his thing. Speaking of <laughs> speaking of prop bets, did you guys see? that there was a prop bet that was Travis Kelsey yards or New York Knicks. Oh man. <laughs> On Sunday. I think Travis wow. Kelsey uh <laughs> yards had to be higher, right? Had to have won. Yeah. But that what is. a great prop I bet. wish we would have had that on the podcast because that's better than that's anything that I came up with. <laughs> so let's go ahead and, and dive deep into the black tooth information. So Tim can you give us a brief history of uh, Black Tooth Brewing Company? Sure. Well, uh, I started 
making beer the same time that you started watching sports. It was 2010 that we, we opened. Beautiful. Uh, actually, the, the Packers were on their way to a Super Bowl run, and, and uh, Aaron Rodgers beat uh, beat the, the great Ben Roethlisberger in a classic shootout of Pittsburgh Steelers and Green Bay Packers. But um, So we opened the brewery in 2010, and uh, we had one little small tap room, uh, 10-barrel brew house, four – uh, 10 barrel fermenters. Uh, we thought if we could brew 500 barrels a year, we could keep shoes on our kids. We both had a couple of young children. My partner had two and I had my young daughter and, uh, we were able to produce about 950 barrels that first year. We were grossly undercapitalized and, and under capacity. We couldn't, we couldn't make enough beer. So we added a couple of fermenters and, uh, the second year we were in production, we did about 1300 barrels. Uh, again, strapped entirely by how much beer we could produce and ferment. Uh, we added a few more fermenters the following year in 2012, um, four more 20 barrel fermenters and uh, a couple more bright tanks. We had a canning line. We, we expanded our distribution footprint from just uh, shared in Wyoming. And uh, we added Buffalo and Gillette, Wyoming, kind of Northeast corner of Wyoming, uh, Casper and Douglas, which is in the central part of the state. And uh, we ended up uh, at about 2,500 barrels. And we kind of had maxed out the space that we we occupied. We had this little party room in the back that was rented out for wedding receptions and, and things of that nature. And I told my folks that I was I thought that brides and their mothers were worse than terrorists and we needed to get rid of the party room. So we tore that out and we uh, – we, I still feel that way too. But uh, we tore that out and we added a 30-barrel brew house and six 90-barrel fermenters. 220 barrel fermenters and we took our production from 2,500 barrels to about 8,500 barrels in uh, 2016 and 17 and then uh, kind of contracted our footprint in 2018 and 19. It got really hard to sell beer in Omaha and Lincoln, Nebraska. It didn't matter how many medals you had won and and uh, what price you sold six packs at. If it didn't have a Cornhusker logo on the can, it didn't matter. Nobody, nobody cared about whether or not your beer had won 16 medals at the great American beer festival or the world beer cup, or that it was six ninety nine a six pack. They, they needed it to say Nebraska on it. And then that's, that's no different now as it pertains to our, our demographic in Wyoming, the guys that are here are loyal to our brand and loyal to, to being a, a Wyoming consumer. And, and we get the same treatment uh, from our, from our group here in Wyoming that, that Nebraska gave to the, to the, the brewers in Nebraska. So it's, it, it, it has become a, a hyper local industry. And there's a lot of guys that, that try and expand their footprint like Sierra Nevada or new Belgium, or some of these guys that are pioneers in this industry that have grown to a national presence, but for a, a brewery of our size and our resources, it makes a lot of sense to try and grow your footprint and your, your reach inside of your, your boundaries or the geography being much less in the, and the impact inside of that geography being deeper as opposed to growing your footprint. So last year in 2020, we produced uh, like 7,800 barrels. Um, so we've, we've gone again backwards a little bit in terms of overall volume, but, but we were more profitable. We were able to survive COVID. We opened up a second location in Cheyenne, Wyoming with the second tap room. And uh, we're, we're a healthier, stronger company now than we were several years ago, even though our volume number perhaps isn't what it, what it was. That's no longer for me a measure of success is how many barrels you put out through your system. It's a, 
it's a much more complicated and, and complex program that that you're trying to make sure that you you have a regional presence and people that come to Wyoming identify with your brand and people that are from Wyoming take your brand with them elsewhere. So it's a it's a different model, a different animal, but I feel like it's a much more sustainable model and and one that uh, is certainly a, a more healthy from a profit perspective. Yeah, I had a I had an opportunity to move George up there this summer, and I got an opportunity to check out your tap room there in Sheridan, Wyoming. And I, I was really impressed. Um, just an awesome vibe. Great place to hang out. I think we had probably five or six beers uh, when we were only supposed to have one. I don't think the girls were too happy with us, but I didn't want to leave because I was having such a great time and all the beers are great. And I uh, definitely the hot streak is amazing. Um, and I, my favorite personally was the Bronco Brown. Um, that's, I just love that one. You know, uh, we've, we've been really fortunate. With Saddle, Brown, Brown, Saddle Brown Brown is a, a Brent. Yeah. It's a, it's a beer that, um, that we've had a great deal of decoration on. I think it's probably between 12 and 15 medals at, at national and, and international competition. So, uh, not only is it a is it a staple in our portfolio, uh, and it's got a certain Wyoming presence. I mean, there's not a lot of places where you can put a guy on the back of a bucking horse and and have people go, "Holy cow, that speaks to me." But but here it does. So uh, we've been really fortunate that that beer's been accepted the way it has, and it's it's been as decorated as it's been in terms of competition as well. Absolutely, one of my favorite beers is the Saddle Bronx Brown. If you haven't had it. When you go down anywhere near the Wyoming area, you should be able to purchase that. It's a nice yellow can, very distinctive, has the nice black tooth logo. A question for you, Tim. What uh, what gave you the idea of black tooth uh, as a name for a brewery? Sure. Um, I get asked that question a lot. The the Actually, the, the highest identifiable landmark outside of Sheridan is Black Tooth Peak. Um, and it's 13,014 feet, which is the premise behind our anniversary beer which is 1314 actually 13014 sounded way too much like 90210 so i took the zero out of there <laughs> just made it 1314 but um that's it's a it's a geographic landmark and and that was i thought a lot about it when we were when i was putting this idea together to, to start a brewery in downtown sheridan which most people thought i was absolutely crazy they said you got to have a restaurant you got to do food and and th- i get it that's that certainly was the the easy route um but we thought a lot about it and i thought there's nobody that uses that cloud peak is also an identifiable peak there's all kinds of places that use cloud peak and then in the name of their business but black tooth has a different i mean you can't be black tooth dentistry or black tooth <laughs> you know realty or black tooth law firm nobody nobody wants to do that so yeah, who yeah, wants to go to black who wants to go to black tooth dentistry you're gonna leave with black <laughs> teeth when you come in with the exactly. yellows it's the new phase so we we yeah right we um we had to we had an opportunity to be a little edgy with regards to the to the name breweries belching beaver works for god's sakes i mean at some point black teeth <laughs> so um we were able to give get get a little edgy with our branding with the with the naming of the beard and, and the naming of the brewery so that's it but it's really a a Sheridan County geographic landmark is, is where the name came from. Yeah. Tim, oh, fantastic. Tim, I, I, I like to, I, I think oh, it's, sorry. Tim, I like to ask the hard hitting questions here. <laughs> sorry, George. Tim, I like to ask the hard hitting questions here. Okay. So I wanted to know where you got your nickname, uh, Timmy, the big slinger from. 
<laughs> well, if I could tell you, I, I don't know. You're going to have to ask the guy on the other side of the mic here. Uh, George <laughs> is the one that came up with Timmy the Pig. I Twins. knew it. I knew he just came up with something <laughs> out of nowhere and just said, this is who he is. Actually, there's a little more to the story. George always talks about his buddies as having nicknames. I mean, he's got Rocket. He's got Jimmy the Jeweler. <laughs> he's got all these guys in his background. And I don't know if you guys know I have heard so cats, much about Jimmy the Jeweler. Everybody's I can't it. believe he told you about it, though. Well, I'm not sure Jimmy the Jeweler actually exists and has a reputable, legitimate <laughs> business. But Jimmy the Jeweler is an iconic fixture in my mind. So I said, George, what? If I'm gonna have a nickname like Rocket or Jimmy the Jeweler, what what's my nickname? And he's like, Timmy, you're the you're the big slinger. Timmy the big slinger. I, so it could be I, it could be worse. I don't know. You're honestly, not it could be worse. I'm thinking. Well, you understand the way that I see my buddy Tim is he's the big beer slinger, but that doesn't have the same rhyme as the big slinger. You know what is he slinging? He's slinging beers. He's slinging he's slinging hooch. He's slinging a good time. I thought he was Why playing football. Why do you limit him? Why do you limit him at only selling beer? He does much more for the community. This guy has actually donated, I would say, over hundreds of thousands of dollars to help out either Antelope Butte, the ski resort that I, I went to a couple weekends ago. And he's also helped out at 5Ks. There's so much more that people don't see that he does behind the back, behind closed doors, sorry. <clears throat> and uh, he truly is a share tonight and, and truly cares about the community. And that's why, you know, he has those deep roots and any person that works for him, he gives them the best opportunity and, and it's up to them to, to continue what they want to do, whether they want to be a brewer, whether they want to stay in the tap room, whatever it is, you have an opportunity. And so my question to you now, Tim, what gets you motivated to continue to own the brewery? Oh, so George just grabbed a shovel and tried to dig his way out of Timmy the Big Slayer there, which was, <laughs> which was a nice job. effort. I, I, I do appreciate the effort there. Uh, I, let, me, let me first preface the – one of the things that we've done here, and, and it's been a, a foundation of, of our company, is to try and be engaged in and around Sheridan and in and around Wyoming as a, as a community-oriented company. And, and we try and – get behind things that our staff believes in and it's some guys are some guys are skiers some guys are golfers some guys are are runners uh you know there's a lot of different ways that you can you can be community oriented and, and we try and, and support and sponsor at a, at a higher level the things that our staff is driven by and and th those things seems things that that seems to touch people differently than, than just donating randomly to to causes as, as they come in, because when you are a downtown business, you, you tend to get a lot of, a lot of notoriety and a lot of exposure uh, from people looking for donations and, and, and sponsorships of their causes. But we tend to try and, and keep those things closer to our staff and closer to the, to the people that work here. So that it's got a, a different connection, but um, I'm not, I don't know what motivates me now, George. It's, it's uh, early on. It was trying to, frankly, it was trying to prove a lot of people wrong. They said, there's no way you can open up a craft brewery in Wyoming and not have a restaurant. Or even if you have a restaurant, it's crazy. I had a, I had a really big iconic guy in downtown Sheridan. And you look to the guys that are in your hometown that have been successful. And he said to me uh, on one occasion, he said, look, I, I, as he was looking around and we were setting up the, 
the initial tap room. He looked at me and he said, I sure hope I, she said, he said, I'm sure glad it's not my money. And I, I said back to him, I said, not nearly as happy as I am that it's not your money. So, um, I, you know, I don't, I think it was part of it was proving people wrong, trying to, trying to create a, an atmosphere and an environment and a, and a downtown location that could be iconic. And I say that not from a place of arrogance, but from a very humble spot. This was my home. This is where I wanted to raise my child and, and be a, a fixture in downtown Sheridan. And, and again, be a brand that people from Wyoming would associate with and identify with and, and, and people that came into Wyoming would take with them. Uh, it's, it's, it's difficult to be iconic. And, and one of the things that's really difficult is once you begin that trajectory and you try and up, uphold it, it's, it's even more difficult. Now we've got an obligation when, when somebody comes in from out of town to help George move, we got to be on our, at our best. I mean, <laughs> we've, we've seen rocket and we, I haven't met Jimmy the jewelry yet, but at some point, everybody that walks through those doors, you've got an obligation to try and uphold that, that iconic status that you you've strived to achieve. So the, the obligation gets even greater as, as time goes on. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Um, Tim, <laughs> before we get to the next question, I just want to describe the, the 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 vibe and the feel when you walk into the brewery and you talk to different people. Every person that you talk to in the brewery either lives and breeds Wyoming and hard work and, and they love the Black Tooth brand. Somebody told me that there was actually a coffee shop in, in, in where some of the tap room is at. Is that where the uh, is that is that true? It is uh, where the pro shop was initially uh, was also a coffee shop. And, and it's because of a, a association with city brew coffee that I, that I have and still have some ownership in the, in the two city brew coffee kiosks here in Sheridan. And it was, it, in my mind, it was a great fit. Nobody drinks beer at, you know, nine o'clock in the morning and we could, we could keep that tap room full of people. We could get some homemade scones. We could get some coffee root going. That tap room would be, would be great. What I didn't identify was that when you blow down a fermenter and you purge the CO2, it sounds like a jet engine in there. So the two little old ladies that were having a scone drinking their tea didn't particularly care for that obnoxious noise. So the, the, the coffee shop didn't work as it pertained to the production of beer. But um, we, we did end up selling way more T-shirts than we ever would have sold coffee. So we needed that space anyway. But, but yes, there was a, a coffee shop in there, a, a dramatic failure, if you want to call it that. But, um, but it, we, we pivoted and we were able to sell a bunch of merchandise instead. It, the stories continue. I mean, you got legends that are in there. And uh, we don't disclose their identities because you have to be a legend to walk into Black Tooth Brewery. But a uh, simple question for you, even just keep it simple. What advice would you give to somebody who wants to start a brewery, who, who's passionate about beer, who's passionate about, you know, the craft? What would you give them? Uh, it's a great question. You know, there was a time when I would have probably answered it differently, but you know, when we opened in 2010, we were the 850th, roughly, I think we were 858 in the country. And, and pre-COVID, the number was approaching 8,000. So there's about 10 times as many people that are perfecting their craft as there was just 10 years ago. So in terms of what the industry looks like today versus what it looked like in 2010, 
entirely different. Um, I think that the, the advice I would give is that it's it, this business is driven largely by scale. And by scale, I mean, can you provide enough beer? Can you occupy enough space to where you can package your product and provide it to restaurants and bars in a small geography? Can you employ enough sales staff to, to have your, your presence be felt outside of your tap room? I mean, when you look at this, there's really two distinct models. There's the guys that are, are growing up from being home brewers that are wanting to chase their passion in a commercial setting. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And then there's guys that are trying to build a commercial entity to provide a livelihood for, you know, at this point, 37 employees. So there's two different schools of thought. And I think you need to look at it as one or the other. The guys that really get pinched are the guys that are in the middle. They want to grow up and they want to, they make great beer and they want to try and provide a, a, a product, but they have no, intention or ability to scale and then there's guys on the other side that 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 are trying to grow a brand with the idea that this is a commercial entity and we're going to provide resources and capital and have partners and, and the things that are required to build a company that that does you know five to ten million dollars a year in sales it's they're different if you're if you come into this business thinking i make great beer as a home brewer and now i want to take that great product and I want to build it into a commercial platform, you have to add the other element of scale or you're just going to build yourself a job. And it's, if it's a one-man band and you got your wife working behind the counter and she's, she's ringing up customers for merchandise and your kids in the back washing kegs, that's great. That's a perfect model. But they're different than what, what it takes to, to Yeah, definitely. I mean, you could scale. just see how many small breweries are popping up. And st- they're still opening. I mean, you think it's, the space is overcrowded right now, especially in Southern California. I mean, just in Temecula alone, I think we have uh, like nine or ten craft breweries in like a 10 square miles. I mean, it's crazy, the, comp- the amount of competition. So, yeah, you really have to decide, you know, what type of – brewery do you want to open do you want to have some large scale um where you're you're really focused on the business and making money or do you really want to just cater to your specific you know niche whatever it is um and just do the local thing and kind of build it that way so that's that's awesome insight and uh, i really appreciate you sharing that with us that's awesome yeah it's something that you got to have in the back of your mind from the very beginning it's again i make no mistake as as your listeners hear this there is nothing wrong with making beer in a in, in your in your garage or in your living room or wherever you're doing it. And you got this great recipe and you say, look, I think this beer can be great. A lot of them are. Some of them, some of my funnest experience over the last 10 years is, is judging homebrew competition and getting giving feedback on beers. There's a, there's a million guys out there that make fantastic beer. There's a difference between making fantastic beer on that scale and making it on a commercial scale. It's not about recipe development. It's not about, you know, perfecting the style that you're trying to, to put out there. That's, that's what it's about as a home brewer and as a passionate brewer of beer at a commercial level, it's about materials and, and logistics and getting products in and getting products out and marketing your brand and, and sales distribution. There's just, they're, they're entirely different. It's like, Look, I want to build a great calculator, and, and maybe you can do that in your living room. But when you try and become IBM, it's totally different, right? There's there's just a difference of scale. And, and I think this industry has been really hindered 
by the folks that have gotten caught in the middle. There's a million guys out there that wanted to start a craft brewery and showcase their products that they were extremely proud of. And rightly so that never had the ability or the resources to scale. And that's, that's the real crime in this business as it's, as it's been explosive. Oh my goodness. There's just so much to take away from there. Uh, <laughs> you, you break it down and, and when it comes down to making a successful business model, obviously you have to choose over quantity over quality. And if you want to be able to try to do both and, 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 and you're, you got to know your market, you have to know where you're at. I mean, if you got people that can only afford $2 beers, you can't sell the beers for five fifty. So it, it, sometimes it just, it's just a crazy, crazy thing that you have to plan for if you're logistics. A- quality of product you're bringing in if you're in a market where they can only afford two dollar beers you probably go to a different market (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) i wanted wanted to thank you for coming on man because usually we sound very unintelligent and you just sounded extremely intelligent there and well that's probably a flu no no it's it's really a nice change of pace for all of our listeners to not hear some ridiculousness and just to hear someone that actually knows what he's talking about. And I know for myself, I was just in a, a state of Zen listening to you talk about beer when we're talking about like, we actually know what we're talking about and it's really a false. Well, no, 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 off. no, yeah. no, I, no, I think people are definitely going to listen to this one and probably not any of the other ones. <laughs> well the exciting thing tim is that we're going to go into our last segment that i want you to be invited into because you've been such a pleasant guest and it's going to be the best hot streaks in sports while jason and drew discuss theirs you and i are going to come up with our best hot streaks in sports (laughs) of all time so jason has a long list and a very very well-planned idea go ahead jason what is your oh sorry sorry the reason we're doing hot streak in sports is because you have the hot streak beer and that hot streak beer has a, you know, two dice on there and they're flaming hot, which is just ready for anybody who wants to go down to the casino and have a great time. It might be your lucky token. It might not, but Hey, you should drink it anyways. Jason, what's your best hot streak? When I was trying to come up with my best hot streak in all the sports, I didn't really know which direction I wanted to go in. Um, I didn't know if I wanted to go in, you know, most free throws made in a row or, um, you know, some, something like that related to a stat, or if I wanted to go more of like the Ironman competition, like, um, and I, I thought that was the better way to go for me. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to kind of bring the ones that I found that were the most impressive and some of the streaks that I think will be very difficult to, uh, surpass anytime soon. And I wanted to kind of see your take on which of the ones that I came up with was the most impressive to you guys. So um, I'm gonna just going to list them off, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass it off to you guys, and, and you tell me which one you think is the most impressive. So the first one I have is uh, Cal Ripken, and he's known as the Iron Man of Baseball. He played 2,632 consecutive games, which is just ridiculous. I don't think anyone's even close uh, to that number. Um, one that's maybe even more impressive based on the sport and the number of games per season and the amount of injuries and just the difficulty, um, of showing up for every single game. But I got Brett Favre at 297 consecutive starts in the NFL, which is just insane. Uh, I also have, uh, the, trying to, to cover all sports. I got, uh, AC green 
uh, former Laker uh, from the championship eras from when, when I was first growing up with uh, Kobe and Shaq. We had uh, 1,192 consecutive games played, which is pretty impressive in the NBA. Um, then I have uh, I wanted to switch it up a little bit and, and throw in a NASCAR guy there. Uh, Jeff Gordon started 797 uh, consecutive races, which is pretty, you know, it's, it's not as athletic. You're not going to really um, have the same injuries that you could in some of those other sports, but the mental uh, kind of difficulty of, of getting in that race car and, and doing that um, on that kind of scale, I, I looked up how long that streak lasted. It was 23 consecutive years without missing an, a, a race, which is just unbelievable to me. And then another one NFL related, uh, Joe Thomas, he had 10,363 consecutive snaps without missing a play. So which of those is the most impressive to you guys? Well, I, I, I think you uh, downplayed that Jeff Gordon one because, I mean, the injuries he could have suffered were way worse <laughs> I guess than death. the other ones because he could have literally died. He could have been dead 20 years ago if he was doing this for 23 years. So, I mean, I guess you you put me in a corner into saying that Jeff Gordon had the worst. And on top of that, he had like a Fritos uh, chip bag that I used to always get, the Twisted Cheetos, I believe. And those were delicious. So I, I'll always go with Jeff Gordon. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, AC Green. NBA is uh, very physical. Um, you got to you gotta be sharp. I mean, they're not going to play you if you're not sharp. So AC Green all the way. I, I can already tell you Tim's going to go Brett Favre. Who do you go with, Tim? I'm not going to go with Brett Favre. I'm actually shocked at the Joe Thomas number. 10,000 snaps at left tackle. At the, the premier – Guard or premier lineman position in the NFL. Yep. Those guys. Get oh yeah. They're probably the difference between them getting in the Super Bowl and likely winning the Super Bowl over losing in the NFC Championship game was the loss of David Bakhtiari. At ten thousand snaps in a row. I mean, that's not taking a third down off. That's not. Hey, I got a gippy ankle, and we're getting beat by fifty because we're the Cleveland Browns. Ten thousand. Yep. We're the Browns. Snaps is a remarkable number. Well, and you, and you think uh, you know Brett Favre's is impressive with two hundred ninety-seven consecutive starts, but the quarterback doesn't get hit on every play. And when Brett oh, Favre, he did. when Brett Favre <laughs> played, they were not as protected as they are now, and he did take some shots. And it is really impressive, but I have to go with Joe Thomas as well because those guys literally do get hit on every single play. So he got hit on 10,000 consecutive plays and still showed up for his, you know, with his briefcase ready to go each and every Sunday. Uh, I think that's super impressive. Hey, can I add one in here? Go ahead. Go ahead. I think my good friend George is going to try and trip me up here, but I'm going to give you guys one to take a peek at. Joe Sewell was a a, uh, Cleveland Indian back in the 20s, and he had 8,333 plate appearances. And he had 114 career strikeouts. So from 1925 to 1933, he never gets to double digits wow. in strikeouts. He goes four, six, seven, nine, four, three, eight, three, four in strikeouts. And he had 8,300 plate appearances. That dude was That's hot. incredible. And here's the rest of the story. This is where I'm going to blow my good buddy George's mind. The real <laughs> kicker with this Joe Sewell cat is he used the same baseball bat his entire career. 
That is, he never broke the bat. Something tells me, yeah, a lot of soft contact Hitting there. in the middle, baby. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of some bunts yeah, in there, I'm bunts. guessing. Hey, that's still impressive hey, regardless. I'm, I'm impressed. Tim, Tim, you are impressive <laughs> as a, a brewery owner, and you're also impressive as a shit talker <laughs> for sports. I'm mean, sorry, as a, as a smack talker for sports. <clears throat> Drew, go ahead and uh, give us your hot streak that you want to add onto the list. Yeah, Tim, just a precursor here. We're all from California, okay, including your boy George. So uh, we're all Dodger fans here, except for Jason, for whatever reason, chose to be an Angel fan. But um, the Dodgers, man, winning eight consecutive division titles in a row, and they're still counting. The first year that they won in 2013 was the same year that I started in college. And just like the Dodgers, I'm still working on it, okay, eight years later. So I think the Dodgers making that streak, and then as I'm sure all of you boys know, signing Trevor Bauer to that ridiculous deal. We're just going to win it again and again and again. So that that streak there was uh, pretty impressive to me. I know I think the Braves and the Yankees have both beaten that streak, but the Dodgers are well on their way. Fantastic. Uh, for me, uh, I, I'm going to stick with the Los Angeles area. UCLA Bruins. Fight, fight, fight. John Wooden. Yeah, 88 wins in the 70 to 72 I mean, it, it, the the pyramid of success, if you haven't looked at it, look it up. I mean, it's great information, simple, but that's what's going to keep you from, you know, thriving in the world and just surviving every day. So look up John Wooden's pyramid to success. Uh, I love the UCLA offense, taught it to a lot of different kids at different various ages when I was coaching basketball. So UCLA offense, oh, fast break, pass, fast, pass, one pass, of my pass, keep it simple. One of my, so one of my favorite my quotes street. from ahead, any Jason. coach in the history of sports was from John Wooden when he said, you have to play quick, but don't hurry. And that's – my dad told me that when I was probably three years mm. old. And every time I watch something, anytime I'm doing something in just my regular life, um, anytime I'm uh, coaching the kids up when I'm doing P.E., I always use that quote. You want to play quick, but don't hurry. It, I don't know what about it. It just, it stuck with me. And just about anything you do in life, you want to do something quick and efficient. You want to do it well, but if you start to hurry, that's when things go south. So I think that's just, uh, you know, you're talking about UCLA and their streak. I think that's something that just stands out to me. Mm. Tim, do you have any final thoughts before we uh, say goodbye to you? We really appreciate you joining us. Uh... Guys, I don't. I, it's a pleasure to be here. I think your your podcast is great. I, I will follow it and uh, potentially weigh in from time to time on your your hot streaks. I like that. I think that's a that's a staple. I mean, a guy's got to have a, a hot streak sports talk. <laughs> I never thought of that beer as the uh, yeah. as the as the catalyst. too bad Jason yeah. ruined all of them. Yeah. Well, I, I did the Iron Man ones. He could have done like the longest free you know three point <laughs> shooting streak or you know one of the, and I'll now you've ruined that. You know, I'll just stop talking. It's just such a great I'm category, though. I mean, you could do that. <laughs> you could do that. That that could be like a, a staple in your show. Like tonight's hot streaks are. You could give like eleven different things. It could be Iron Man. It could be again a dude like Joe Sewell using the same bat. There's a lot of there's a lot of content there, boys. I like that. There idea. is. We might have to do a spinoff show just about hot streaks. 
listen, we'll make this a we'll make this a business decision. We'll send it out. It'll be a plug. I'll give you guys some free six packs. We can have the hot streak uh, hot streak segment of every podcast. There we go. You're you're invited every single <laughs> podcast, Tim. <laughs> Provided by Black Tooth Brewing Company. Oh, now the next brewer is actually kind of. <laughs> <laughs> kind of handcuffed. What are they? What are they going to provide for their segment? What are they going to offer to make it juicy well, enough and and and, uh, and know, enjoyable again, for us? Respectful. They make fantastic beer, but I don't know if you want the belching beaver segment on every podcast. You guys might go south. <laughs> no, definitely not. Hey, Tim, 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 real quick. I'm and do you guys uh like ship beer anywhere? Because I'm after talking to you, I'm super interested in trying all of your beers and. I'd be real interested in, is it only commercial or can like a Joe Schmo like myself buy beer online? The answer from is from a legality perspective, we cannot ship outside of state lines without going through a distributor, but your good friend, George can do whatever he likes. Okay. So Beautiful. You guys okay. So we won't be doing any of that. I promise you. George can San Bernardino law enforcement, he won't do that. I am legally bound to not send beer anywhere outside of our distribution agreements. But George Estrada, wow. who okay. breeds in this part of the geography of our great nation, can do whatever he wishes, whenever he wishes. Who lives in Montana. <laughs> yeah. Correct. But okay. We, we George, I got a perfect man. Awesome. Insider information on how to beer help you to each that. other. So. Whereas it sounds like we're going to have All to right. make a trip up there this summer. We'll take care of you. Sounds great, man. We'd love to have you. Uh, Tim, did you have anything you hated to see this weekend? Yeah, I hated to see my daughter win 250 <laughs> bucks and I won nothing. You know what? That, that's probably the best one on the list, honestly. <laughs> we have no competition to that one. I'm going to go ahead and, and, and complain about Robin Hood app again. The Robin Hood app, I'm telling you, I was up. $112 on a cryptocurrency called Dogecoin. And if you haven't heard of the Dogecoin, look it up. Everybody's online talking about it. It's going to go to a dollar. Right now, I bought it at two cents. It's at seven cents. It was at eight cents a couple a couple hours ago. I'm talking about yesterday, a couple hours. And at, when it was at eight cents, what did the Robinhood app do? It said, oh, we are doing maintenance. You cannot buy any more Dogecoin until we're done with this maintenance. And I said, this is exactly like GameStop. Always screwing the little people, Robinhood app. I mean, with that name, how can you be called Robinhood? So that was my hate to see. Why are you moment. still you using Robinhood? You hate to see it or you guys don't care? <laughs> hey, you hate to see it. Drew, what's your hate to see it moment? I, I called him out on it and he moved on. I know. I called him out and he moved on right away. <laughs> I hate to see George get screwed by the big man. That's <laughs> no. Okay. So my hate to see it. All right. Tom Brady was filming himself after celebrating his seventh Super Bowl victory. Okay. <laughs> this time it was in boat parade fashion, but Tom Brady, his new nickname should be buzzed Lightyear because this guy was on another planet. When he stepped off of that boat, this guy was so wasted, man. The last time I saw a quarterback walk, like that was when Patrick Mahomes got concussed against the Browns. You hate to see Tom Brady mock the man that he just beat in the Super Bowl. It's just petty. I think Tom Brady can do whatever he wants at this point. He's earned it. I agree, but I mean, I see my dad walk around like Your that, dad, and you know I'm disgusted. So I could feel the same about Tom Brady <laughs> because Tom Brady could very well be Drew, my dad right I now. Mean this in the nicest way possible, but your dad is not Tom Brady. 
My dad is Tom Brady. My dad is Tom Brady. <laughs> You're damn right. <laughs> to me, he is. To me, he's he your is. Tom Brady. Okay. Right, I'll give you that. I hate to see a guy like Tom Brady have that much. Like, at some point, somebody's got to reel this dude in. He's got 10 Super Bowl appearances, seven rings, Giselle. 50 division titles, Dazelle, a massive house, wonderful, I mean, wonderful kids. At some point, uh, there not it like everything in moderation? This dude needs to come back a little bit. No, right? not at for him. At some point, there's too much for one dude. Clearly, this guy's an alcoholic, okay? He had two <laughs> Michelob Ultras after his TB12 method. And I, he can't even walk straight. He I, can't walk in a straight line. This guy obviously has a problem. He's an alcoholic. He needs to go to rehab. And he does not deserve to play for the Bucks. I thought, he, does, I thought he doesn't even drink. I thought I heard he doesn't Tom Brady have like, the strictest diet go ahead, in all of sports. I thought he didn't even drink alcohol. Dude, if I won the Super Bowl, I'd be drinking 20 Here, milk globe ultras. Here's the catch. The dude's been to 10 Super Bowls. He can do whatever he wants the week God. after. I mean, he does For this. Sure. This is his annual expedition to Vegas like the rest of us. Who are we to judge, honestly? <laughs> <laughs> every other year every <laughs> other year that he plays in the Super Bowl, he gets to get drunk. Once every You know what? Years. He just won the Super Bowl. I celebrate like when I get off work and I make it home. You know, I that's when I pop my beer. I feel like I feel like he's entitled <laughs> to a beer right now. So let's go ahead and Jason just finish the segment for us because we, we we're just having too much fun. And uh, I think my hate to see it was so was definitely Tyreek Hill uh, throwing up the peace sign the first time he played the Bucks when he had a honestly ridiculous week. Um, anyone who plays fantasy football and played against Tyreek Hill that week, I, I'm sorry. You probably lost just in the first quarter alone. I think he had like 200 yards receiving. And he threw up the peace sign to Antoine Winfield Jr. in that game. And as uh, Devin White intercepted that last pass at the end of the game, Antoine Winfield went right up to Tyreek Hill and gave him the peace sign right in his face. And you hate to see it for Tyreek Hill, um, a guy who usually is throwing up the peace sign to other people. He gets it thrown right back in his face. And I, I loved every second of it. Well, I mean, don't play the game if you can't take the heat. I don't. <laughs> that was perfectly. I don't know if that words. was the right uh, analogy or whatever, but uh, I'll give it to you. Hey, <laughs> hey, uh, I just got to be fifty. I think it's right if here. you can't take that, the heat, you might, stay out of the I'm kitchen. So, I think hey, that's the right one. We let you go. It's <laughs> a Gordon Ramsay quote. I'm gonna make it up my own way because that's how I roll. I'm gonna have a good time. Don't I think you're spending you're spending too much time at you're spending too much time at Black Tooth. That's not possible. <laughs> Nobody can spend too much time there. Not, oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> so here's my final thing before we let you go, Tim. And so we would like to really appreciate you, Tim. And I'll I'll have a beer with you soon. No, I just uh, uh, Jason, Tim, you're you like awesome. Thank Tim you for being goes. our first legitimate guest. We had a guest last week. It was my dad. Brady. <laughs> he did not have a Tom Brady performance, let's just say that. Uh, but he did call the he said he's the numbers guy and he, he did call the Bucks winning with the under. So I will give him that. It's a pleasure to pleasure to be here, guys. Best of luck with your podcast. Uh anytime you need something, give me a call. Sounds great. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tim. All right, take care, guys. See, See you soon, Timmy. And before you go. Please check us out on Instagram as we're going to have pictures of the Blacktooth Brewery Company. We're also going to have pictures of their latest drops. Oh, my goodness. All of their beers are so delicious. And uh, where can we check this out? All this information. Uh, this through. is going to be 
if you give me just the quickest second so I can pull up our Google Doc, we're going to be at at Backcourt BS Podcast on Instagram. Don't ask me about the other platforms. I love you too, buddy. I miss you, man. All right, everybody. It was a great show. Loved having Tim on. Can't wait to see you guys next week. Uh, Have a great week and stay drunk. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Backcourt Bruising Sports Podcast. Check us out on Instagram at Backcourt BS Podcast for an inside look at Black Tooth Brewing in Sheridan, Wyoming. Make sure to subscribe or follow wherever you find your podcasts so you never miss an episode. New episodes will be available every Friday. Thanks for BSing with us.